Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Today on the podcast, we have a, a pretty important topic, and hopefully every topic we talk about is important, now that I say that. But this is one that might be uh, relevant to a lot of people who are struggling, who are dealing with things like anxiety and, uh, and worry. And really, honestly, this is not something I think we address in the church all that often. It's not something we address when it comes to how we do ministry all that often. And the topic really is anxiety and worry, how we deal with anxiety and worry as individuals and how people uh, try to navigate that in the context of being in biblical community. So if you think about it, a lot of times it is a, it's almost like taboo. We, we can talk about all of our problems, but when it gets to something where uh, it gets really deep with, you know, internally what I'm dealing with or issues that I'm having, then we kind of put the brakes on and we're like, well, that's not something to bring to the group. Or a group leader might even try to derail the conversation. Whoa, we're going too far here. Let's kind of get back on track with, with our Bible study. Yeah. Well, a lot of anxiety, too, stems from the fact that we have no accountability uh, and we're running at a high pace. So uh, I preached on this uh, recently and just talked about my own struggle with anxiety, and I'll share some of that in a moment. But um, the response time, if, if the response time at Long Hollow, which I think could be a cross-section of the general population— uh, if the response time at Long Hollow is any indication yeah. of the anxiety that is experienced by people in America, right. what would we say? One third of our church, when I asked for prayer, yeah. I said, hey, would you like to be prayed over to come forward to be right. prayed over for your anxiety? One third of the church Well, I would say forward. maybe even more if you put all of our services together maybe based more. on the response. But I think it was... It was a powerful moment because I think so many people have felt like maybe they can't have this issue addressed in public and certainly not within the walls of a church. Yeah. Because people just think, you know, I'm messed up and maybe more messed up than everybody else. And I'm, I don't feel like this maybe is a safe place where I can bring uh, that problem because people will just say, as you mentioned in, in the message, um, and, and I would love for you to summarize that. I'll just have more faith if I believe more. If, if I pray harder, this should all go away. Yeah, and I think, okay, so let me speak to the pastors, if you're listening, uh, who have never experienced this. Like me, like, like me, 10 years ago, I had no clue about this. In fact, I would see people struggling with anxiety and, and, and have no background to deal with. I just say, suck it up. Buttercup, as my mom tells me sometimes. I don't know if that's the best way, but that's what mom tells me. I Suck like it. it. Up, I, w- I would use that. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a, that sounds like you because that's what you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from the Marines. I mean, you're just always just pushed through, right? Which, which in most scenarios you can, okay. You can just kind of move on, but there, okay. So let's define anxiety. There's two types of anxiety. Okay. There's the general anxiety and worry that comes from life. Okay. The highs and lows. Okay. So yesterday I preached on, uh, or, or recently I preached on the fact that anxiety happens from life. I mean, you're going to be worried. Some of you are anxious right now about job situation. Uh, a medical um, issue you're dealing with. Your child just got diagnosed with an issue. Uh, your company's downsizing. Your church is declining. Uh, people are attacking you, whatever. That's normal routine anxiety from life. But there's a different category whereby anxiety is the result of a chemical imbalance. Yeah. 
Okay, and in that scenario, as I've experienced personally, you can't just go to enough support groups and mm. expect that to go away. Yeah, I think that's the, the that's the challenge is we we don't really deal with these types of issues uh, medically, maybe in the way we should, especially in the Christian community, because, again, we're taught. And I think, as you just mentioned, uh, wrongly that, man, if we just pray hard enough, it's going to go away. And, and the reality is Christ can heal any issue, you know, and, and, and walk through any of that. And we obviously step one is to pray and, and, and ask God to do that and believe that God can do that. Christ can heal anxiety, but Christ can heal depression. Christ can heal blood pressure. Christ can heal cancer. However, just because you have cancer and as, and you are a believer, doesn't mean you shouldn't take chemo. If just because you have high blood pressure and you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't take blood pressure medicine. But some, for, but but what happens is when it when it comes to mental illness, it's taboo in the church. In fact, after my message yesterday, I had a psychiatrist in our church meet me in the next steps area, and she said, "I just want to thank you for being open and candid about your own struggle." And by the way, you can go on our website longhollow.com, and you can go and hear the entire sermon and and my testimony. Uh, it's called The Answer for Anxiety. That's the title of the message, yeah. if you want to hear it in its entirety. But she said, thank you. She said, here's why. Many Christians come into my practice, and I evaluate them and say, you have a chemical imbalance that needs to be addressed with medication. And they will say, I'm a Christian. I can't take it. Really? Yes. Wow. That's what she said. She said, some Christians have a hard time taking medication. Now, here's the thing. Some pastors right now are listening and saying, ah, you should never take medication. My response to the pastor is, with all due respect, you've never experienced what I've experienced. Yeah. Because if you've experienced what I've experienced, you'll realize yeah. that counseling and support groups and sponsors will not help you overcome this situation. Well, and, and I had someone in my life group, as we discussed this sermon, even say that uh, this kind of uh, well-known pastor, I won't say his name, has even kind of scoffed at people at depression. You know, what's that? Yeah. I believe in Jesus. Yeah. You know, if I believe in Jesus, I got nothing to be depressed about. And like you said, it's, it's, not, it's not as simple as making a statement and believing. Well, let me tell you one guy who probably would have benefited from education and obviously wasn't as developed as it is today, but one name we know well is Charles Spurgeon. You read Spurgeon's biography. He, he was paralyzed by depression. John Wesley w w struggled with highs and lows. That If you read his biography, I mean, these are guys in years past. And I think part of that is when you're high capacity, type A, a high D person, which a lot of people listening are if you're in ministry and you're going for it, and we all have uh, the ability to, 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 to exercise in that realm. But the reality is you're going to have – uh, the byproduct of that is you're going to have some of these highs and lows and anxiety as a result. Of, okay, so here's the thing I would say. Uh, let, let, me, let me share my story, okay? And then I'm going to give you the antidote for anxiety, okay? Because, because I think we, we want to help our people. Because I would say if you're in a discipleship group, you're leading a group, you're leading a life group, there are people in your group that are struggling with this right now. In fact, I would even encourage you, ask them. How many people in here feel like anxiety has been overwhelming for them. How many people in here feel like they're crippled by worry? Yeah, and, and then really being in that discipleship group is where this kind of accountability can take place. And in other environments, obviously, it's more difficult maybe for someone to share. In a larger environment like a, a life group and in an even larger environment like the congregation, it, it's going to be a little more dif difficult to say, hey, here's an issue I'm struggling with, whereas in a group of three to five, as you're walking with people, they can share these issues. And I would argue if you're the leader of a group and you're, you're dealing with this, 
obviously this is a great opportunity to share this with with the group and then i think like you said you will find out there are those other people in your group that are dealing with these same things yeah that's a great point it's not just you trying to help others the fact is you may be the one struggling and you're going to need the others that you're investing in to help you that's the beauty of a discipleship i tell people I'm in discipleship, yes, to invest in other people, but I get way more from the people I invest in than I could ever give them in the form of encouragement and accountability and support and uh, being there for me when I need. I mean, that that's what you get from a well, discipleship Well, and if group. you're leading, even though in a discipleship group you're all doing the same thing, so there's not a lot of uh, teaching per se as much as leading, but you have that extra amount of accountability to say, I've got to be a little bit further down the road than everyone else in the group. So it's a great... It's a great way to, to grow as a leader. So before you get started on sharing your testimony, let's take a break and uh, have a word from our sponsor. Our sponsor today is DiscipleShirts.com. DiscipleShirts.com, where you can find shirts with discipleship messages. Yes. They will help you, as a disciple, share the gospel. Some, some of these shirts, you wear them, and someone's going to say, what is that on your shirt? And you can yeah. say, hey, let me talk to you about it. And talk about being a disciple. So what we want you to do is check out the shirts, see what you think, wear one, maybe have the opportunity to share the gospel with someone else. And start a movement. Buy, a movement. buy shirts, make disciples. Make disciples. That's it. At <laughs> DiscipleShirts.com. And we're back. Talking about anxiety, dealing with issues, uh, dealing with uh, not necessarily stress. Those stress can be uh, one of the symptoms of this, right? Or it could also lead to this anxiety and worry. Um, I think it's important that people hear your story because not a lot of pastors are willing to share that they're dealing with this kind of thing to the extent that you're willing to share it. And I think it's super helpful for those listening. I know it's helpful for me to know that if I'm in a situation where I feel like these kinds of things are becoming overwhelming, I don't have to hide it as a staff member, as a minister, as a pastor, as a leader. Uh, so go ahead, if you would, just share that same, uh, that, that story, that testimony of how this has impacted your life. Yeah. One of the reasons I'm doing this, and this is the first time I've ever done it publicly. Uh, I've shared it privately with friends and coworkers, but I've never done it publicly. And one of the reasons I'm doing this is I want you to see that it's okay to not be okay in the church. Yeah. Like in the church, we put on this facade. Perfect. Yeah. 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 Hey, hide your life. I'm great. Everything's good. But uh, all of us are struggling with something. Yes. Okay. And I want to share my story with you and be open about mine so that you would be open and admit that you have struggles as well. So uh, it started in 2012. Uh, I had just come off of a very busy year in 2011, and this will play into why I think it happened. But um, 2012, it started around February. Candy and I went out to uh, the mall after a date night. You know, my wife loves to shop. I don't know uh, if those listening have wives like to shop, but my wife, what do we do for fun? We walk around the mall, okay? So <laughs> there we were, walking around the mall, and uh, all of a sudden, I Did start- Did you go by Auntie Anne's and get a pretzel? That's- that's the only reason I go to the mall. Really? You yes. like Annie Ann's? I love those pretzels. Yeah, those pretzels are pretty good. I like the I like cinnamon. the American cookie cake. American cookie cake's good, too. Yeah. The double doozy. I get an American cookie cake just because. <laughs> I don't even have to get... I don't even have to be a birthday. I will give this little insight. Once okay. I, I was over at your house, and you pulled out a giant cake. Yes. And I thought, what's this for? And you said, I just wanted a slice, but I had to buy the whole thing. 
Yeah, that's true. Now, that may be true. Okay. But anyway, you're walking okay. around the mall walking 2012 the mall. I'm not candy. at any hands. I'm not at the American Cookie Cake. I am walking at the mall, and uh, I feel this, this feeling of being overwhelmed. Uh, my hand starts to go numb. My left arm starts to go numb. I start to hear sounds at a decibel that's louder than normal, and the lights just become blinding. Uh, I thought I was going to pass out. So uh, uh, I said, Candy, go get me a Coke. I thought it was a blood sugar issue, so I drank a Coke, and uh, I felt better. Thought it was nothing. Two or three days later, I go back with my staff to the mall. We'd go to eat sometimes there, and it happens again. I have to sit down. I think I'm going to pass out. I grab onto the table, and they say, Pastor, you have got to go to the doctor. So I go to the doctor, and this starts about a two-month journey where I am going through test after test. EKG, echocardiogram, I have an uh, ultrasound test done, I have the uh, coveted stress test, which mm. if you know coveted, anything about yeah. that. <laughs> I've actually had the stress test oh before. It's so stressful. I don't know how people I make mean, it. It lives this. up to the name. Oh, it does live up to the name. <laughs> stress test. All of those came back normal. Like They're saying everything's fine. Then I go, uh, the doctor had the foresight to put a halter monitor on my heart. Now, what was happening at this point is they thought I had a heart issue. So they're putting me on blood pressure medicine and blood thinner medicine. And if you've ever, those listening know, if you've ever been on that, you're just, you're falling apart because you're mentally not right, your heart's not right. And I literally felt like I was coming unglued at the seams. I thought I was going to pass out on Sunday morning preaching from the platform mid-sermon. I would joke with Candy and I'd say, Candy, here's the thing. I could pass out because I don't know when it's going to happen. And if I pass out, I'm going to face plant off of seven steps right on the right on the ground. The good news is they will capture that on video and it may go viral. I was going to say, the thing you're worried about is it being shared on social media. Right. <laughs> well, it's gonna not be... even the fact that you're going to bust your head, but the fact that yeah. that's going to be seen over and over again, which I will admit I probably yeah, will no, watch Yeah, I'd that. watch it. I'd watch it too. <laughs> but the reality is I would have been the laughing stop because here's this pastor. But anyway, so it, we had to laugh because it was overwhelming. Uh, and I just didn't have answers. And you know what I'm talking about because some of you have been there. If you don't know what the problem is, I would rather it be something than not know. Okay. So we did the halter monitor, which is a monitor of my heart. It caught a dip in my blood pressure, my, my heartbeat, and uh, my heart rate dropped to 18 beats a minute. The doctor said he was convinced. Yeah, he was convinced the lead had fallen off. What that means, he said, was your heart wasn't beating for seven to eight seconds at a time. So I went in for an arteriogram uh, where they go in and they shoot a dye, dye into your heart. That came back normal, and he said, your problem is you need a pacemaker. I'm 35 years old. Pacemaker? What are you talking about? So I get the pacemaker put in, and I thought I was healed. Well, and just real quick, most people think when they hear that you have a pacemaker and know your testimony, like this had something to do with the drugs and the past, but yeah. this was unrelated. The doctor said that. Clarify. He yeah. said, no, this is a genetic issue. Has no, I thought it was the drugs. He said, yeah. no, this is a genetic issue. It's called a heart block. Mm. And uh, they put a pacemaker in. I was healed for a week. And then the feelings came back. And you mm. talk about deflated. I yeah. mean, I thought I'd beat this thing, right. I'm back to normal, I'm deflated again. Okay, so I start diagnosing myself. I'm up all night researching and studying, and I find this board-certified renal cardiologist. Okay, renal meaning kidney, cardiologist, heart, mm -hmm. connected. I figured I had the answer. I called him up to schedule an appointment. They said he's retired. He just retired, no more new patients. Oh, boy. What's the chances of that? <laughs> My, yeah, of course. My assistant at the time... Uh, who used to go to church with this man, uh, says, what's his name? I said, you're never going to believe this. He retired. She said, what's his name? I said, Dr. Arant. She said, Billy, I know him well. Let me call him. 
You can't make this up. So she calls him, uh, calls his home, gets me in next week. I go in to see Dr. Arant, and here's what he says. He's very different than any other doctor. Hmm. He said, Robbie, I, and he was a Christian man. He said, I want you to tell me what your life was like for the past year. Hmm. Don't tell me the symptoms. Tell me what you did. And I said, in 2011, it was the busiest year of my life. I had just finished a two-and-a-half-year journey flying back and forth from 2008 to 2011, um, all the way back from New Orleans, I mean, from Chattanooga to New Orleans, two flights a week, two and a half, three years to finish my PhD. It was wow. an antiquated system back then, which meant I had to go to the campus. So I would board a plane Even on Thursday. Even in 2010, oh, yeah. 2011. Yeah, I boarded the plane to Atlanta, flew to New Orleans, went to a seminar, flew back to Atlanta, back to New Orleans. I did that every Thursday and Friday. Then I preached on Sunday three sermons. Then I repeated the process every week. In addition to that, I had a brand new child rider who had colic. And if anyone knows colic, that's, yeah. No, thanks. I had colic. You could have named him colic now that I think about it. Yeah. That'd be a fitting name. Colic? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Jabez. <laughs> What's your name mean? Pain. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I had colic. Uh, then I had, uh, I finished my dissertation. I wrote my entire dissertation for my PhD in a month, which I don't recommend. Uh, I finished the project. I graduated that year. I had a growing church. And in my spare time, I decided to write a book. Hmm. So a little busy. A little busy. Dr. Aran <laughs> said, yeah, Dr. Aran said what's, your, uh, what's your symptoms? I said, I feel overwhelmed. Lights are bright. Sounds are overwhelming. My heart races, and I feel like I'm going to pass out. He sits back in the chair, and he says, I know your problem. He said, your problem is not a heart issue. He said, in fact, you're having panic attacks. I said, panic attacks? I said, I'm not, I'm not scared of anything. I'm not fearful. He said, no, no, that's not how it works. He said, Robbie, one, th oh, this, I never forgot this. He said, just about one third of the patients that come into my practice for a heart issue are actually dealing with anxiety and panic attacks. He says to me in 2012, he says, you have to take medicine to fix this. He said, you have a chemical imbalance, praying alone. I mean, praying will help and God can change. He said, but support groups and counseling is not going to change. And I was a pastor. I'm like, I'm like, medicine, we don't, I don't take, what are you talking about? I got a drug pass, I don't want to take, he said, no, you wouldn't turn down medicine for blood pressure, you wouldn't turn down medicine for cancer, why would you turn it down here? Okay, so I hesitantly took the medicine, and Chris, I'm telling you, within two months, my whole life changed. It took a little while, but my whole life changed, and I got my life back, and here's what I realized, I didn't realize how bad I felt until I experienced normacy. For years, I'd felt so bad and didn't realize it. And I say that to those listening because I know there are some people here who would say, I'm a Christian, I don't take medicine. And I want you to know, it's okay to go to a doctor. Yeah. You're not a lesser person because you are on medicine. You're not a uh, smaller or insignificant Christian because you go to a doctor. That's not. Don't let anybody tell you that. People who tell you that have never experienced what we've experienced or what I've well, experienced. Well, and I think the message that, that you're wanting to get through today is it's not that we are not trusting that God can heal us because we 100% believe that. Yes. And that is all of our first choice. <laughs> you know, our yes. first choice is let's pray, let's ask God to work through this and miraculously heal us of that. Yeah. But it's also not to uh, foolishly press ahead thinking we don't need help if he chooses not to heal us in that way. Yeah, and here's the thing. Just because I got on medicine didn't remove the feelings altogether. 
Okay, so I got on medicine; it helped me. But since then, I've I've been I've been down this journey for almost eight years now, nine years. And one of the things now I realize is I still have those symptoms, I still have those feelings, but I've learned to cope with them. Here's the answer to the problem. We're gonna have to pick this up next week because I, I want to give the answer. To, I want to give the antidote to anxiety. There is an answer. Jesus talks a lot about worry, a lot about anxiety in the Sermon on the Mount. So next week when we come back, why don't we talk about what did Jesus say of how we can respond to it? And I'll give you a hint. It's Matthew chapter 6. You can go look it up as we prepare for next week. That's a good hint. Well, as always, uh, especially with this very important and sometimes difficult top topic for people, if you want to share this with someone who may be struggling with worry or anxiety, please do that. And if you wouldn't mind, give us a rating on your favorite podcast listening service, and we would appreciate that. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.